podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. a Celtic state of mind, it's a new season but it's three old faces, I'm Paul John Dykes, uh, we are zooming in from um, Hungary, Kevin McCluskey and also Laura Bradburn but not from Hungary, somewhere a little bit closer to Celtic Park. Feel, feeling hungry but not from Hungary. Feeling hungry for success perhaps, <laughs> success. Uh, just before we came on, Kevin, I, I pulled you up about your Celtic jersey because what that uh, colour scheme certainly reminds me of is the uh, first day uh, of Martin O'Neill's uh, league campaign. I know it was a different jersey, but that Celtic away jersey we wore up at Tannadice and we got off the flyer up there. Yeah, you remember that? I do but, I remember um, that one well. Larson get the goal, and that's the day when everyone realised he was back, was it not? It was. I, I remember O'Neill saying I knew he was good, but I didn't realise he was that good. And when I look at that yeah. jersey, a good point by Laura, it's one of the ones that I probably didn't appreciate at the time, but now I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I like that. I really do like that that particular away jersey. Maybe that's because somebody showed me the third jersey last night, which I think is horrific. Anyway, <laughs> let's be a wee bit more positive. It's the first day of the season. Laura, you and I were on at the Axon Bulletin on Friday, and did we not call that exactly as it has been called by the big man, the boss, Ange Postacoglu? I think we did. I mean, I'll give you more credit than me. You kind of put your ideas out there, and I, I agreed with them, but I, I, it, it's pretty much the team I would have called, because Injuries and everything aside, I just think the selection makes sense, and um, and even more exciting for me as well as the bench that we've now got going into the first game of the season in comparison to to you know this time last year is unreal as well. So even if even if things don't click immediately for us, you know we've got options there, which is what we've been crying out for as well. 
Yeah, the, the bench is particularly strong. So strong, in fact, that James McCarthy is not on it. We'll have a wee chat about that, but I've got to say, right, let's do a wee bit of the old um, screen grabbing. I've got to say that the Celtic Twitter have done the business with the graphics on the lineup. So let's have a look at the lineups via the Celtic Twitter. I'm going to give you the full credit for this Celtic Twitter because it is particularly good. And in order for us to do it full justice, let's have a look on the big screen. There's the team. So um, we have, obviously, we're, we've already halfway through it. Look at the beautiful graphics. Um, we have got the team that Laura and I uh, suggested we would have with Joe Hart and goals. Right back is Juranovic, left back Taylor. You've got the uh, centre-half partnership of Carter Vickers and Welsh. The midfield of McGregor, Hatate and O'Reilly. And up top, Maeda, Kyogo and your man Jota um, it's a strong team, we'll let it run again for anybody who missed the first part of that it's a very strong start and line up but also on the bench we do have some fantastic options and players that I would suggest are going to really push for first team jerseys, so let's start talking about that team, Kevin McCluskey, what do you make of that is that so, is there such a thing as a strongest Angel Oven, is that the strongest Oven on the park today? Hi. Um, well, we we discussed this one after the Norwich game last week. Myself, uh, Lawrence, and Jared, and I, I honestly can't remember if this was the same team that I came out with. But kind of back to back to middle, it kind of picks itself at the moment. And I think probably this is given everyone that's fit. That's the strongest defence and midfield that we've got. Uh, up front's the only place I think we at the moment you can kind of rotate in and out. But you know, Jota, Kyogo. Maeda up there. There's a big goal threat. There's there's excitement in that front three. Um, so I think the Ange picks it. He picks the team for the game, and I think this is the right team for this game. Yeah, I, I mean. I obviously agree because that, that was a team that we picked on Friday when Laura and I got our heads together. You can just call us John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan from now on. Which which one am I? Am I the one with the laptop? I'm not sure. Aye. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I am on that one. But um, let's have a wee talk then, Laura, about the bench because uh, you know going back to uh, our old gaffer, Brendan Rodgers, he always went on about having a strong... Uh, you know, last 30 minutes as the first 30 minutes. He wanted the bench to be strong and there were occasions, particularly in the early part of last season, where it wasn't strong enough. But you're now looking at that and you think, well, what have we got there? We've got, if anything, uh, God forbid, happened to Joe Hart, we do have uh, a trusted um, understudy. You've got Tony Ralston at right back, who for me was better than Juranovic in the pre-season games. You've got Gents, Maurice Gents, who apparently picked up a knock, but he's sitting there on the bench, um, who I'm pretty sure will be trying his damnedest to be Carter Vickers' partner in the central part of the defence. And on the left, you've got Burnaby. Then you move into the midfield. Turnbull put a very good account of himself um, in the pre-season games. Up top, Yakamakis. You've got Abada, you know, who can come on in either wing. It really is a tantalising prospect, that top kind of 15, 16 players, isn't it? Yeah, um, Seagrist, as I can see written there, not Seed Dykstra, as I said on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the bulletin yesterday. Um, but no, it's a really strong bench. I'm encouraged to see Jens there because I really was concerned when I obviously heard that news about the knock, thinking that it was maybe going to be reflective of last season and the run of luck that we had with injuries there. So it's good to see him there. Ange doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would put him on the bench unless he knew that he was available for, for selection. So great to see him there. Yakimakis, I just love the fact that he's such a different option to Kyogo up front because 
as much as Kyogo does do some amount of running and always gives players options to, to make passes for him, sometimes in given games, for, for whatever reason, it just it doesn't work out. And to have Yakimakis there as an alternative option is is great. The other the other really encouraging thing for me is the two strong options in, in Turnbull and Moy that we've got on the bench for, for midfield because the way Ange asks is a mid, asks a midfield to be that engine room and to be so dynamic in the way that they go from box to box, you've got to think that throughout the season, refreshing that midfield throughout every 90 minutes will be vital and key to, to the success of the team. So having options like that on the bench to come on for a Hatate or a, a Riley or McGregor is going to be a really key part of part of moving forward, I think. Yeah, definitely. See, when I look at that bench uh, as well, Kevin, you've got players like David Turnbull, who's probably at an age where he needs to be playing regular football. Now, that's a brilliant dilemma for someone like Ange Postacoglu to have. But I always wonder, how do you keep a squad happy? I mean, you need a a big squad to go through 50-plus games, 60-plus games sometimes. But how on earth do you keep them happy? I mean, Turnbull will be itching to get a first-team jersey. But how can you argue with that starting at 11, and in particular the midfield? Oh... I mean, that's that's a problem for Ange and not me. And I'm happy that it's his problem and not mine. <laughs> but it's it's true and it's it's the same. It's not just for Turnbull. I think it's now across the whole squad, which is great. And Laura was touching on it. The the options that we've got now, how you keep them happy, I think, is the team goes out and wins games and then games because you're getting further into competitions, and that allows Ange then to rotate out a little bit more. I think players will come in and out a bit more naturally. It becomes easier to rest players um, for specific games. But, you know, if you've got somebody like David Turnbull, like you say, is he now maybe 23 years old? He'll be looking to kick on in his career. He needs to be played regularly. So he's going to be out there impressing every day in the training pitch. When he comes on, he's going to want to make an impression like he did against Norwich. I thought he was excellent when he came on in that game. So that's the things that he's got to do, I think. Just just keep plugging away, working away, doing the business when he comes on, and then he'll get his chance. And we do know from Ange that he's prepared to do that. He'll give players a game if they're playing well, and then the jersey becomes theirs to lose. So it's it's a great dilemma to have. And I think, as I said, just the way Ange operates, he pushes a lot of the pressure on the players to prove that they should be in the team. And that's how you keep them happy, having that kind of healthy competition within the squad. Do you think there's going to be any complaints about the big screenshots of Jota and O'Reilly rather than McCluskey and Dykes, Kev? That's my next question. Most likely. I would think so. I'd be disappointed if there wasn't complaints about that. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there will be, and that's why I'm leaving it to run. I'm so impressed with this. We should do our own one with the Axom team, yeah, the 16 contributors. That would be a bit of crack. Maybe we'll do that for a charity weekend. And I've got the cat. The cat has been let out of the bag. Um, we will be revealing the Aberdeen team and talking about our opponents as well. But it is all about Celtic. Laura, how disappointed are you? I know we've gone over this, but I mean, you know, we're the champs, right? And we're getting the the final fixture of the 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 weekend, you know. And and, and yesterday, the early kickoff was Livingston against Rangers. It's Flag Day. This should be the showpiece of Scottish football. Why isn't it? Well, do you know it's an interesting thing because my my sister said, "Are you going on the pod today?" And I says, "Yeah, yeah." She says he's going to talk about the fact that Celtic aren't like why the champions aren't playing first in the weekend, and she's you know. A big Celtic fan, but nowhere near as invested in, in picking things apart the way I am. So I thought, 
you know, for, for her to notice it and for other people to notice it who aren't as in this world as we are just, I think, speaks volumes. Like, I, I, and again, I said it yesterday on the on on the Friday Bulletin. This isn't because it's Celtic specifically. Obviously, I've maybe, you know, more invested in it because it's happened to Celtic. But I'd be saying the same thing if it was Rangers, if it was Aberdeen, if it was Hearts, if it was Hibs, anybody who won the league um, and the same down in England, I think I think it's just strange to think we've had a full round of games and we're sitting here waiting on a half past four kick on a Sunday and we've not seen the champions unfurl the flag yet. It's almost as if the league started before it should have. Like that that's how it feels to me. It feels like the, the show hasn't really begun because the the main protagonists aren't really there yet. And that might sound like a an egotistical thing to say as a supporter of the champions of the country, but I just think it makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense to anybody else outside of the decision makers um, within the uh, the corridors of Scottish footballs. Um, what did they used to call it? Park Gardens, that's where it was based up in the SFA, but who knows what they guys are thinking about. A um, couple of wee uh, snippets, a couple of wee news stories to talk about today as well that we've not had a chance to chat about, even though we were only on on Friday, um, Laura. But the news that the chairman, Ian Bank here, um, is due to step down at Celtic Park and then inevitably the rumour that Peter Lowell was on his way back, something I think we probably called months and months ago, not because we're Mystic Meg types, just because it seemed all a bit obvious, Kevin McCluskey, that this was going to happen and um, it seems as though it's going to happen sooner rather than later now. Yeah, I would think it will and it's probably one of the worst secrets in Scottish football that this is what's going to happen. You know, We've all seen that um, Peter Lowell's such a big figure and he's um, maybe it's, it's it's a big ego thing as well but he's been such a big part of Celtic for the last decade 15 years, he was never going to completely walk away, I think if there's a chance for him to come back in some capacity as chairman, it'll happen um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, he's been the guy that will divide opinions as to whether he did a good job for the club or not, but um, it's, I think it's inevitable that it will happen that he'll come back as chairman. Now, obviously, I've followed the story with interest, uh, Laura, and I've seen two different sides of it if I'm going to use social media as a gauge. So I'm looking at some people who are saying this is horrific. Um, you know, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. He's always been there. He's never been away. He's been the invisible kind of force behind the scenes making decisions and everybody else are lackeys. But then the flip side, that's not my opinion. That is part of the opinions that I've been looking at on social media. The other uh, side of that argument is that whilst he was here, we had you know unprecedented domestic success um, and he's a safe hand and surely he will be more effective than Ian Bank here. Where are you on this? Are, are you somewhere in the middle or are you edging towards one side of that argument? I think the biggest compliment I can pay to Michael Nicholson since he's come into the, the role of Chief Executive is that we haven't heard a word from him. Uh, we haven't heard them come out and say anything. We haven't come out and heard them comment on supporters and their entitlement or lack thereof. We've, he's just obviously a man who's come in, gone with the job he's there to do, and the the fruits of his labour are shown as much as they are with Ange and his work. That, to me, is the role of a chief executive. A chairman is obviously, perhaps in the structure of Celtic Football Club, more of an honorary role, I would hope. And so... If that remains the case, 
I don't see a problem with bringing Peter Lowell back in some kind of honorary role if the club feel they want to do that. Um, because it's undeniable that he was part of a, a decade of huge success. Where it would concern me is if he starts to do what he did before and try and meddle in any of the ongoing situations with player recruitment, with uh, how the team's managed, selections that are made, things like that. Because and I, I have a feeling uh, from the little I know of Ange as a person that he wouldn't stand for it. Um, I have a feeling that it would only lead, lead to a sort of conflict within the club that doesn't appear to have been there uh, since before Don Mackay was appointed. So I, I, on the one hand, I'm a little bit like, do whatever you like Celtic if you want to honour the man, but don't let it affect on the field issues because that is where, where there could be a downfall. Mm. I mean, there, there is plenty to discuss around that and I'm pretty sure we will pour over every single nuance of it as the weeks go by on the Axon Bulletin. But I am keen to get the Celtic fans involved in the chat today. Um, and Robert Davy comes straight in. Hello from Dublin, 4 nothing. Hail, hail. Robert, would you rather see big close-ups of Jota and the like or... Paul John Dykes and Kevin McCluskey let us know in the comments section because obviously we will bow to pressure if you would rather we were on the big screen because I know people watch these on big screens I get pictures out on Twitter uh, the only downside at the moment uh, Kevin is when I bring the comments up nobody can see your face mate and I know that you're a very popular character so we will try and get you up as soon as possible please you know, get I'm, your I'm predictions in I'll what was that Kev? I'll question the sanity of anybody that wants my face on their big TV screen <laughs> well, you're you're in anyway, so somewhere uh, on the planet someone has your face on the big screen. Robert Davy reckons it'll be for nothing. He's watching in Dublin and we've got you and Boy Martin. Welcome back. You and I hope you're well, pal. Sun is shining, three points, winning by five goals. Um I mean I'm sometimes loath to make a prediction, but I'm going to anyway because it's a pre-match and, and um, you, you know, you, just, you can't sit in the fence. You've got to have a prediction. But sometimes I'm loath to come away with anything so bold, although I look at that team today and I think to myself, Laura, that um, we've brought in a, a left-back and we've brought in a centre-half, albeit on loan. Does that mean that Taylor and Welsh... Um, are not first choices, do you think? Or is it all about who's got the jersey today and it's all about your form and keeping a hold of that? What do you think? Because, I, I mean, I know both players have had quite a bit of criticism uh, over the last year or so, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, it's funny enough, Taylor keeps coming up as a discussion point when myself and Kevin are on the show because I think Kevin <laughs> is more on the side of being a bit more of a fan of him than I am, but I've always maintained with, with Greg Taylor that I think he's a more than adequate um, choice for the domestic games. It's in Europe that I think he would be found wanting. I think he's probably more likely to be closer to what you would call a first-choice left-back than Stephen Welsh is to a centre-back. I wouldn't have imagined Stephen Welsh would be playing today if, if for example, if Starfelt was fit, he certainly wouldn't be playing uh, or if Jens had had a chance to have some game time before today, he might not have been playing either. So um, that's where I lie on it in terms of Taylor probably having more of a stake of claim of his shirt than Welsh. But I think if you're Stephen Welsh, you, you take grab the bull by the horns and you say, I've got a chance on the opening day of the season to make a name for myself and give the, the manager a decision to make. And um, I hope that's what he does because I've I've always been a big fan of Stephen Welsh. I don't think he's done very much wrong. And I think... Sometimes I think you suffer a little bit from being um, like an 
like a youth product, an academy product, and that people don't see you as glamorous as the signings that come in. But I think if we'd signed him from a foreign country and he'd come in and performed the way he has, I don't think we would have as much of an issue with saying that he should be one of the, the first-choice centre-backs. And I think I think Welsh just needs to make sure that he makes the manager think along those terms in the coming weeks if he gets the chance. What better way, Kevin, than the gaffer knocking back bids, albeit I think the first one was a loan bid by Udinese, but Toulouse were interested in Stephen Welsh. He's been knocked back twice. Clubs have been knocked back by Ange twice. How big a vote of confidence must that be for this young player? It must be massive for him. And I think the point that Laura just made at the end is spot on about him because Stephen Welsh has come in and he's been fairly solid in every game that he's played for us. But he does suffer from the fact that he's been a youth academy graduate and Celtic fans can be the best and the worst in the world when it comes to the young boys coming through. We all want to see them coming through and succeed and play well. But we all want to be that boy as well in the park, so we're always a bit harsher, I think, with the criticism of him. But if he'd been assigned from elsewhere and come in and give the performance that he had, I think he'd get a, be cut a bit more slack by the fans at times and we'd be a bit more appreciative of what he can actually do. And I know I've criticised him at times and I you know, watching the game against Norwich is just a recent example. I thought Jens came in and looked really impressive and would be the guy who could come in. But maybe that's that kind of bias thing of, oh, he's the fancy new player that's come in and we want to give him games. But you're right. I mean, it must be massive and there's a bit of confidence for the, the, the type of teams that are coming in for him in the first place. Shows he's got quality. Mm-hmm. And then the manager say, no, I don't want you to go. Suggests that he is an Angie's plans for the future. So... Yeah. You know, we've said before with the way Ange operates, if Stevie Welsh comes in, puts in a couple of good performances at the start of the season, that jersey's his to lose going forward. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And the fact that we've got gents in the door, uh, with Starfelt to follow, I think, uh, and said a couple of weeks, he's still a couple of weeks off it, it just gives you that competition for places. We haven't, of course, spoken about uh, Julian, but if you want to have a, a five, ten minute uh, listen as to what we think about him, just listen to Friday's Bulletin, Laura, because I think we kind of covered that as well. He's certainly not in the plans if, if you look at the uh, the second picks, as it were, since Starfelt has been injured. Um, many thanks to the Celtic Twitter. Obviously, we are using their graphics and they're very good graphics indeed and uh, I think I'm just going to keep them up there. Whilst we go through a few more of the comments coming in, Paddy Lavery, always a pleasure to see you on the comments sir, afternoon all, hoping to put a marker down today, let's have a great performance and result Um, and Michael Ross, hail hail, I'm on the hoops 100%, we've also got Mappy, no surprises in the starting 11 and a bench that oozes talent, like we were saying before, uh, that bench is top quality jungle lion coming in on the YouTube. Let's get this roller coaster up and running. And um, I'll tell you what, some of the seasons have been a roller coaster. Some of them have been more like a ghost train where you've been coming out and your fingernails have been bit to the quick. Hopefully it's more of a, a roller coaster with more ups than downs this season as well. Stephen Sloan, I'm buzzing, nervous and excited. Let's get off to a good start. Tough game, I'm sure. Let's just get the three points. Well, on that point, let's have a wee chat about the opposition, which means I'm going to have to get rid of that fantastic graphic eventually. Um, So here we go. Sorry about this, ladies and gents, but you're going to get Kevin and myself instead of all the gorgeous Celtic talent that was uh, flashing about your screen a wee minute ago. Um, Let's have a wee look at the Aberdeen side, though, the starting lineup. Jimmy Goodwin came in. 
Uh, he's a gaffer who I regard very highly. I think he's he's very um, for me. He's he's very good. Uh, he's obviously a Celtic graduate himself, um, and he always speaks very highly of Celtic. But there's been a bit of a facelift in this Aberdeen side, Laura, and I think that um, you know we saw it last season. It took a wee while for us to obviously settle in with so much changes that can happen. Uh, Aberdeen have been involved in the Premier Cup games whilst we've been playing friendlies. I don't know if that gives you the upper hand or not. Because sometimes opposition's not that uh, strenuous. What do you make of this lineup here? I know um, quite a bit about some of the players, and obviously quite a few of those have come in. They've lost a couple of big players as well, though, Laura, haven't they? Yeah, lost a couple of big players, especially over the last few years. Not just uh, this season, but but last season and the season before with Andrew Considine and um, and uh, Stephen McKenna. Uh, Scott McKenna, sorry, not being part of part of their defence. So. Um, from that point of view, I don't know much about their back line, um, but I would hope that losing players of that calibre means they're a bit weaker. Um, I have to say, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I, I'm too tempted to say it anyway, but I'm reassured to still see the presence of Johnny Hayes in the team because it was never a particular favourite of mine at Celtic. And I think, I think he, you know... As long as he's in the opposition team, we've got a chance of, of, of doing something because I don't find him a particularly dangerous opponent to play against. I'm probably saying that now and he'll score two goals in the first half and I'll have to come on here with my tail between my legs, but um, but that's the way it is. But apart from that, it's, you know, it's a team with a lot of names that I don't really know, to be honest. And I think that's reflective of the fact that, that Jim Goodwin's come in um, after Stephen Glass last season when the team were, or, or when, when Aberdeen as a club were in a bit of a mess and he's obviously wanted to, to put his own stamp on things much the same as our manager and I think he will do that. The the thing that concerns me going into the game is I've seen Jim Goodwin come to, to Celtic Park with, with St Mirren and he's not afraid to have a go. Yeah. And I think if there's one weakness we have in the Celtic team right now, it's defensively. So if we've got a team who want to come out and give us a good um, good match and, and go at us as much as we go against them, then then they could get something out of it. And I'm sure that's what Jim Goodwin will be thinking today. A couple of points from what Laura was saying there, Kevin. First up is obviously it's a much changed Aberdeen side. They were a wee bit of a toothless tiger. Um, outside, I've got to say, the Celtic and Rangers games, they seem to perform pretty well against Celtic and Rangers. We certainly didn't find it that easy up at Petorgia last season. Um, but there's been loads of changes um, in terms of the defensive uh, qualities or otherwise of Celtic. Best defensive league uh, record last season. There was a few... Uh, issues maybe in the pre-season does that give you cause for concern Kevin or is it something that you know you're much better tiring it out in the pre-season games than when it when it actually means something in the competitive matches yeah I mean I think we had the best defence last season because of the way we play we play in the front foot we're offensive in the way that we approach the game um, and we've got the best defence because the ball doesn't get that far up the pitch all that often um, yeah and there was issues in pre-season, I think we get issues in most games, just the way we try and play the game, try and pass it out maybe a little bit too much from the back at times for my liking and for liking of my heart um, but, you know the team's getting used to playing that way um, they're comfortable doing it so I'm not overly concerned, I do think that you know, because we play the high line teams can catch us in the break perhaps at times if they've got quick forwards but you know, I look at our team and I just think we're so strong from back to front, but especially middle to up front, we are so strong that 
as good a team as Aberdeen might be, we shouldn't really fear this game, which I know we wouldn't. You know, I mean, like we shouldn't have any real concerns that we're not going to win the game. We should be strong enough to win it. It would take a very good performance from Aberdeen to get the three points, I think. Well, I'm just seeing, first of all, Callum McGregor walking onto the park with the, the league trophy, but also um, that incredible TIFO that has been uh, organised and arranged by the Green Brigade, Laura Bradburn. It's sensational, isn't it? It really is. It's it's one of the one of the upsides to having fan groups like this to to organise things like that for and and really make a statement as to how stunning things can be at Celtic Park when they come together. I, I remember being part of one of those, a famous one of those, the night we beat Barcelona as well. And it must take an awful lot of organisation, but it really does make for for something quite stunning to see when you when you see see him unfurling the flag there. It's really uh, brings a lot of joy to the heart for the start of the season. That's for sure. Do you think we're going to get the first competitive appearances of Burnaby, Moy, Gents, uh, hopefully not Seagrass, Laura, but uh, any of the <laughs> other three players, do you think we'll get uh, maybe the luxury of bringing them in and, and uh, giving them some game time? I'd like to see at least one of them, um, if not more. Um, I'm particularly keen to see Jens, just because I think if he's a, po- a possible upgrade on what we've got defensively I'd like to know whether that's the case and the other one that I'm really keen to see as well is Aaron Moy just to see exactly what he can offer us because I think as we talked about on Friday um, we all know what he's like from a few years ago but he has been a bit missing in action in recent years and it'd be interesting to see what kind of player he is now but regardless I'm just happy to see us back in competitive action and see how, how we go today. Uh, the Axom crew get about, don't they? They get out and about, uh, something that we talk about on the group quite a bit. So you've got Kevin McCluskey covering Tam Kurtz's first game over in Hungary. You've got Na- Natasha Mikkel speaking to Ange Postacoglu and all the press picking up on his answer. And you've got Colin Watt in the four four two mag uh, last week as well, one of the biggest football magazines on the planet. But Kevin um, reminds us that a couple of those players in the Aberdeen lineup um are... MTK, former MTK Budapest players. Kev, do you know anything about them? Yep. Uh, So the two players, it's uh, it's Ramadani, who plays centre midfield. He's a kind of a number six ball-winning midfielder. Likes to get tight to his opposite number in the midfield. Pretty decent player. Uh, Got a decent distribution on him as well. Good range of passing. And then the other one is the forward, uh, Boyan Miofsky, who... I think he's got eight goals in 30 games last season for MTK. Kind of reminiscent of um, Shepovic in the way that he plays. He's a kind of really tallish, lanky guy. Not a, not a big, strong build about him, but he's quick, plays on the last defender. So, so nothing nothing to worry about then? Well, <laughs> I was a big fan of Shepovic, so I'm going to say there is. Uh, because he's a bit of a penalty box striker. And he's like Jack Amakis in that he's a, he's a one-touch and then shoot. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a he's a decent player, someone that we'll need to watch out on because um, you can see he playing the on the last defender. But we'll see. Hopefully, he doesn't see too much of the ball and uh, there's nothing to worry about. But the, the two of them are actually both decent players. MTK got relegated last season, though, so perhaps that maybe tells you a bit about their level as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, I can see, obviously, um, some of you are dropping off to tune into the action, which is fair enough. You're watching from all over the globe uh, Celtic opening their defence of the league title. I want a prediction. I probably got it on Friday, but let's hear it again. Laura Bradburn, what's your prediction for today's game? 
I may as well fully embarrass myself after some of the stuff I've said, but this is just me getting excited for kickoff. I'm going to go 3-0 Celtic. I think we're going to go clear today. 3 nothing says Laura Kevin McCluskey. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. Just to be different. 3-1 with a goal from one of the ex-MTK uh, players, from, from I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'll take both. I'll take both. It looks an absolutely tremendous atmosphere at Celtic Park today. Let's go and join the action. We'll be back at halftime, hopefully, to talk about a fantastic Celtic performance. And uh, Thank you all for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.